Howdy. Thanks for listening to Let the Movie Speak. Before we get started, uh, we'd like to ask a favor of you. It's a simple favor. If you could just rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen, that might help other ears get into our ecosystem here and hear another episode. Anyway, enjoy the show. Welcome back, listeners. This is another, yet another episode of Let the Movie Speak. My name is Travis. I am yet another Justin. There's another. There's many of us. There's only one. But I am one of them. You're the one. And so are you. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, we're back for another episode in our 40s series. We've seen a bunch of movies from the 40s at this point, Justin. and So bunches. So many bunches. Uh, But I think I can say with pretty clear confidence none of them are quite like this movie no and that may be the case until we get to something by david lynch in the 80s or 90s yeah this is a unique (laughs) movie by definition this is a movie this is a movie yeah sometimes when we say that that means it's very good yeah today it means something else yeah what yeah it's very it's (laughs) it is a film by it definition. Is, yes, they made this movie. It is unique. Yeah. And light years ahead of its time in some ways. Yes. And bonkers. And just bonkers. Many other yeah, ways. It should be a, a kick in the pants to talk about, I think. And it's uh, called A Matter of Life and Death. It is. And it's from 1946. And we got the opportunity to watch it together. And it was yeah. a super fun movie to watch yeah. together, regardless of anything that may come. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I would watch it with friends so that you can say, uh, what's happening to yes, each other? Yes. And your friends can go, don't know. Or, th- or they can go, let me tell you. Right. And if so, please let us know what they tell you. Because <laughs> we're still trying to figure it out. Yes, but before we try to peel back the layers on that uh, odd little onion, uh, we're going to get into something that we watched this week. Well, I am just now getting to the home stretch, Justin. Yeah. I'm... I'm going to start the last episode any day now. Of? Of. Uh, Lost. It's called. Um, Frasier. <laughs> it's uh, the QAnon documentary on HBO Max. Okay. Little called, little less laughs, I've heard. Yeah. It's called Q Into the Storm. So it's a real bucket of fun. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say a lot about it because it is nice and twisty and turny as something like maybe a true crime documentary mm-hmm. might be if you're yeah. into that sort of thing it's a really good piece of 
film journalism, as far as I can tell, and really well-made piece of film. So if you like documentaries, if you're at all befuddled or obsessed with or somewhere in between, not just utterly repelled by the idea of finding out more about what the heck even is QAnon, um, it's it's enlightening for better and for worse. Okay. So that's a, that's a hard recommend. Yeah. I would, I would just say like, it's it like the origins of QAnon. It's hard. You know what I mean? Like hard, okay. hard yeah. in a lot of ways. So you got to kind of gird your loins, be ready for that. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like for the most part, the, uh, the documentarian did his best to handle every piece of it as dark and disturbing as a lot of it is with, responsible hands so mm-hmm. it's kind of all you can ask for in a documentary yeah um so if that's kind of the speed that you're at right now if you want something like that i would say go for it man okay there's a whole rabbit hole there's a world of rabbit holes to dive into wow uh what about you what'd you watch well i didn't need to gird my loins for mank Yes. The movie uh, released on Netflix starring Gary Oldman about the writer, supposedly, of Citizen Kane. Yes. I made it about 30 or 40 minutes into this movie. I had a very similar experience. Oh, yes. okay, okay. Yes. So I made it in at such and such a point and then just stopped and thought, you know, oh, maybe I'll pick that up the next right. day and just forgot about it. Yeah. Which tells you, and it's not because I was so swamped with other duties in life, Um but it, I, I watched that much and, and thought, what really happened? Yeah. And that it was not really a plot, yeah. which is tragic to say. I was pretty excited about that movie. We'd both seen the trailer. The trailer kicks so many butts. Yeah. It's and I mean, really it good. has Gary Oldman as the lead. Yeah. He's not the problem, to, no. to be clear. No, no. He's acting, but I don't know what the stakes are. What is, I have a vague idea. Is it written by David Fincher or his brother? Because his oh, brother writes I, for him sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think the script must be the problem, right? Because like it yeah. looks great, it looks beautiful, and Gary Oldman's amazing. But I mm-hmm. did like literally the same thing. I think I watched thirty, thirty-five minutes, yeah. somewhere closer to Christmas time, mm-hmm. when it, closer when it came out, and I never, I just never came back to it. Like, yeah, I didn't feel the need to. So it, it's a it's a big bummer because it it you would think a project like that would have so much potential to be. How could it be bad? You know. Yeah. I don't even know if it is. Unfortunately. It's boring. What have what else have we said that about Travis? What else have we eaten crow on? I think we watched Watchmen together in the theater when it came out. Yeah. And we watched the first scene and thought, oh my gosh, yes, this please. is gonna be amazing. Yep. It was not. Yeah. Um and and Star Wars. The Force Awakens. Do you remember yes. when that trailer came out? Oh, the, that trailer still slaps. Yeah, and uh, there, and I believe uh, we might have both said, there's no way that's going to be bad. Or this is exactly what J.J. was born to do. Yeah. Wrong on both counts. Yeah. Sadly. We just lost half I, of our listeners, I, but that's fine. I would, I would like to, yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, unlike uh, may, maybe some other um, sections, unfortunately, of our, of our culture, we're not here to uh, to to berate, or to uh, that's not our philosophy to to speak down. You're to. allowed to like the force, of right? Words. We we uh, we welcome dissenting opinion because otherwise the whole, a whole field of criticism or you know 
talking about art in general is kind of worthless if we can't disagree. Yeah, what fun would nerdery be if we didn't argue about things? Yeah. We were just arguing about Hello Dolly before we hit record. We were, and that would be a four-hour episode. We're not doing it. So if we have a Hello Dolly episode, I think that's the only way we're going to get there. I think it needs to be a four-episode series just well, on Hello Dolly. Hello. Well, let's get into our uh, film of the day here. And as we mentioned before, this is an odd duck. Um, quack, quack. Quack, yeah. I don't even think this duck says quack. This it duck, says honk. It was like moo. Yeah, yeah, that's more accurate. Yeah, we, I think, I don't know how many times, uh, you know, just to grab water or like pause for yeah. just a second. We didn't stop right. really for any length of time. How many times were we watching this where we just said, what are we watching? Right. What it, is going on? More than I'd like to count. Like half know? a dozen, yeah. Um, and and any time we pause the movie, we kind of just like try to, or, or we'd look at each other during the, which is not something we usually do. No. But it was, we're both stupefied. Yeah, wide-eyed, just... Uh, but but to get there, maybe a, a short overview, yeah, a short plot where, synopsis. Where did this thing come from? Uh, director Michael Powell and... Uh, Emmerich Pressburger. Uh, these two guys worked together on some projects. We actually considered a couple of their other films for the 40 series, Black Narcissus. Yeah. And Red Shoes, Red I think. Red Shoes, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of crossover here. And maybe um, we should have gone with one of those. I don't know, man. It's, uh, I have a feeling they're all going to be weird, right? Like, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they directed, uh, written by Michael Powell and... Uh, Emmerich Pressburger, writer and director duo, which is not common back then. That's kind of becoming a little bit more in vogue. Yeah. Um, or a little bit more like widely accepted as yeah. normal. normal. Yeah. Um, and then we have obviously uh, David Niven in the, in the lead role. Mm -hmm. um, Kim Hunter, uh, she's sort of the romantic uh, fo foil. She's the, the other lead, essentially. Yeah. And then a bunch of other people, some of which you've heard. Richard Attenborough is in this mm -hmm. as uh, a pilot. And then, I don't know, most of these other names are probably not super well-known. Um, but good acting um, yeah. kind of all around. We'll get into some specifics there. What about reception? I think you know a little bit about how was this received financially, critically? Financially, it did really well. Yeah. Um, at least from the figures I was able to find um, from the archives. I, I don't know if you know this, but I have a key right. that gets me just to the archives of A Matter of Life and Death. That's real specific. Yeah. Have you used it before today? Um, no, because I didn't know about it okay. until um, you mentioned the Hollow Earth thing you, earlier in the season yes. from Godzilla yeah. and versus Kong. So thankfully, I was able to go down to the tunnels and, and check it out. So it did very well um, financially. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, even even in our modern day, yes. it uh, has been um, um, lauded as one of the best, at least British films. The Brits tend to like this film still. And sure. It's made it into some top 100 or top 20 lists, etc. by yep. different institutes and people that like movies. And the only guy we normally care about, Roger Ebert in 95, mm. gave it four out of five stars, which is high praise. That You don't see is. a lot of fours and fives no. for 
He gave it four out of five. Four out of five and 95. So this is a retrospective oh. review, but still four out of five stars. Because didn't he go down to four stars at some point? Like that was his max. Oh, was, am I wrong? See? I, I, no, I'm, I'm just curious. Maybe maybe He Roger... gave it four stars. Okay. He went down to four? I, I what think... a boss. Yeah. He's like, he's we don't like, need that fifth star. We don't need it. <laughs> You get four. That's amazing. Yeah, he has a four-star review that you can find on his website for 1995. Um, I don't. I, I mean, this is such a non-blockbustery uh, kind of affair that it, it's not. You know, we we didn't pick Casablanca this season, right? You know, we didn't right. we didn't pick a, a, a lot of movies like that. So this is definitely not. I don't think the biggest money maker of this studio's, you know, gambling this year or anything like that. Sure. Um, but I think we're going to get into some really interesting territory as far as what the heck happens in this movie. Right. We might even be able to answer that on occasion. Sometimes. And maybe what it's saying. Uh, I think we're going to have quite a bit to say. Should we get there? Let's go. And this is what it's saying, which uh, bef- should we... Good luck. <laughs> Let's not start with that question. Let's start with uh, Justin. What happens? What happens? Give us the plot. So uh, for listeners that don't know, um, in the fourth decade of the 20th century... In there, the fourth decade of the 20th century. There was an my event. best Orson Welles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you, Orson. There was an event um, in world history called World War II. mm and uh, so this concerns a RAF pilot or navigator, airman or something, played by David Niven, who is a part of a bombing crew. I think he says he's the master bomber. He's the master bomber. I don't know why I did Dick Van Dyke again. Master bomber? Master bomber? <laughs> you need your chimney sweep too, sir. Mary Poppins, master bomber. It's got the same bounce to it. Let's go fly a plane (laughs) so he is flying a plane and alas uh the nazis have hit it folks and it's going down in flames everyone on his plane is either dead or has already bailed out he doesn't have a parachute for whatever reason gets on the horn to an american radio operator on the ground who is june and she talks to him and he really has every reason to believe he's about to die and Mm -hmm. he tells her I'm going to bail out. I'm not, I don't want to burn to death. So I'm just going to jump from here and I'll never know what hit me once I hit the ground or the ocean or whatever's in between there. That line in there sounds like a, a trailer pull clip a little bit where he says like, there's only one twist. I haven't a parachute. You right. Know, that, yeah. that seems like it's in the trailer. Yeah. Probably. yeah. Yeah. And so they, you know, as, as can happen, I suppose, it's not really too ridiculous to think they... Because of the severity of the situation and the the emotional vulnerability on both their parts, um, they profess some kind of love for each other, which I think is more like a love for, you know, just the commonness of humanity. Like, I am sad that you as a person are going to be dead now that I'm talking to, right? And And in his case, probably like, if I'm going to be dead now, if I could just feel love one last time... I don't know how much right. stock he puts in it in that moment, mm-hmm. but it plays out yeah. in a certain way. It, because he bails. He bails. Through the English fog. Problem number one, apparently. Plot device number one. And yes. uh, unexpected. And plops down into the sea and washes ashore and is fine. Yes. Now, he thinks he's washed ashore into heaven, and he wakes up 
clue number one that strange things are afoot, he walks and finds goats. Goats on the beach. And he then he sees a naked boy yeah. playing a flute. A pan flute. Pan flute. Which is a weird pan reference because goats and a right. pan flute. I don't know. It seems like he could be in heaven or just the Greek afterlife or something. So weird. Right? Yeah. And then he's like, hey, lad. It's Dick Van Dyke again. Yeah. I dare uh, young Master Poppins. <laughs> Where's Mr. Banks? <laughs> This is the we're just dropping the MP3 in here. This is just a clip from the movie. Uh, uh, yeah, and so uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang doesn't show up there. Not yet. Cr- crossover reference. Yeah, not yet. Um, and uh, the boys like, "What you talking about, Mister?" <laughs> He's also played by Dick Van Dyke. Yes, <laughs> incredible. In the role of a century. Yeah. <laughs> he it, points. Okay, he points another. He points a building out, or like a well, a bomber flies over them. Yes, and it's very clear. Like, oh, I'm. I'm in the place that June told me she lived, right, right, in Britain. And so, and the boy's like, look there, mister. And and mister, David Niven, doesn't go, boy, why are you naked out here with these goats? He's just like, hey, okay, there she is. And he goes running after her. But why, we've had a little bit of time to think about this. Yeah. Why is the kid naked watching over the goats? I, I, I Only in retrospect am I thinking it has to be a reference to pan like well it, it, it has to be yes right? I mean, but why that doesn't what i mean he's in real britain in 1942 right. or whatever well, 45 not the weirdest thing in the movie i don't think no no not by far but it's the first clue you're in for a different kind of movie no yeah i definitely wrote down why is he naked yeah and there's no other naked person in this movie so that's what that note is about yeah i don't have an answer for you it's strange the beginning of a trend uh so he catches up with june and she's like oh my good heavens (laughs) (laughs) she's annie from annie get your gun yes uh okay so i mean in general right they get back together. And they fall in love. And the story plays out with David Niven is uh, contacted by a courier from the afterlife. We Who get... is a 18th century Frenchman. And he is like the most flamboyant Frenchman. Almost like how we see Thomas Jefferson in Hamilton. Yeah. Like ridiculous it's ca- over, it's caricature. A, yeah, it's over the top stereotype. For yes, sure. for sure. And um, so we see, this is what you need to know about the movie. We see the world and his kind of middling romance playing yeah, out. With, in color. In color uh, with June. And then we see the afterlife in grayscale and black yeah. and white, um, which is uh, a certain depiction. We'll get there of the afterlife. A very specific, odd one. And scary. And I think ultimately kind of terrifying a bummer yeah um and it's kind of the tension between the two he's supposed to have died so they're supposed to bring him back he appeals yeah and there's going to be this big court hearing at the end which decides his fate does he get to stay on earth with his love or does he have to go into the afterlife now right so let's talk about i mean there are so many there are so many weird cul-de-sacs that we could land on here but i mean the naked boy with the goat is our first clue these filmmakers are like Got an idea? Put it on the script. Put it on the screen. <laughs> it's going on. Yeah. It's going in there. Now, and, and to their credit, it's not all just weird wonkiness. What is really no. weird and cool about this movie, yeah. in the first, I think, sense that you... Well, I, 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 dude, you kind of get the sense from the very beginning when you're just looking at like a the painting credits. of the heavens. Yes. 
And it's like, where are we? We're just in outer space. And the, cre- and the credits before it. Like yeah. the font and the coloring of them look like, ret- I say retro, like Technicolor 60s credits. Yeah. With it's, a font that is like ahead of its time. It's not 1946. It's not script. And, and then this, the sequence with the space yeah. and the narration over it. I was like, well, first thing I said was, uh, this feels like a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. And then he starts narrating and it's like, the vastness of space. And yeah. I was like, what is going <laughs> on? This is a yeah, Twilight Zone it, episode. It, it is largely, this is a two hour Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. And much better than the Twilight Zone movie. Oh, I just it. started watching. Okay, that. well, the beginning is very good. I just started watching. You want to see something scary? Oh, yeah, I like that part. That's good. Yeah, I've gotten through. I'm in the middle of the one where the old people turn young. Not good. It's kick the can. Yeah, I can't. I yeah, I gotta finish it before we really talk about yeah. it. But I can tell it's it's a prophecy about COVID. <laughs> As one does. As one does. Yes. So what you're getting at is there's some technical stuff in this that are. That is yeah. freaking mind blowing. It it doesn't make sense that it it that it came out in 1946 and then it didn't just start being copied immediately after. It's wild. Some of this stuff you don't see until the 80s, right? And that's what I wrote down. I said this from the first few shots. This almost feels like it was made in 1980 about World War II. Yeah, because like the stylistic stuff is like, it's like almost. You can't even say this, but it's like post Sergio Leone yes. stuff. There's close-ups of people's faces and that it's are in Sergio. color. Yes, so it feels even more modern than other yes. parts of itself and stuff yep. around it. But yeah, like the whole sequence where he's talking to her from the bomber is it's serious. If you told me it was filmed in 1990, yeah, to I look would, more vintage yeah. or would, last year, I'd I be would like, okay, totally believe you. Because there's that shot where they sweep through the cockpit and kind of the cabin of the aircraft. And it's like, it's not how we sweep through in 1946. It's not just static. I mean, that camera is like... Or like a camera just pivoting It's like a gimbal shot, practically. It's incredible. And there's a ton of that stuff in here. Yes. Like a ton of it. But that the opening sequence, it's in color, which is a little bit, you know, in 1946, still not the majority of films. Right. And it's really interesting. And I I wrote down later, this movie, if any movie deserves Dutch angles... It's this one. It's kind of this. Yeah. Yeah. And they use them to good effect here. Um, and then we get into some more, uh, a little bit more normal looking stuff after mm-hmm. that sequence where the story starts to to play out. Now, we've seen a little bit of the real world as we know it, right? Yeah. With naked boy and goats. Right. Uh, and as we all know it. Right. Doesn't your beach have a naked boy with goats? And he's playing the pan flute. Yeah, that's normal. Oh, hey, Mary Poppins. Yes, exactly. Okay, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the courier, the Frenchman. Let's talk about him. He's played by an Englishman, which yes. is how you know it's a stereotype. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, you can know it just by watching it, too. Oh, yeah. But his his character's name, I think, is Courier 71. Conductor 71. Oh, Conductor 71. Yeah, but he okay. is a courier. He takes people yeah. to and from. Right, and he takes messages and things, too. Yes. So yes. it's his fault, apparently, that there's some weird editing in this movie. Right, because not only is there the really cool ahead of its time stuff, yeah, there's just some stuff that I think unfortunately just doesn't work. Okay, case in point, when they're at the trial, and the defense or the prosecution brings up that it's no fault of his own, meaning the aircraft dude, David Niven. Yeah, right. It's not borrowed time. It's right. It's, it's, given it's time. someone else's fault. Yes, and they they do a jump cut to or just a cut to the the courier, yeah. and he like looks awkwardly away. 
and then they cut back. Yeah, that's like an editing boo-boo. It's an editing boo-boo because mm-hmm. I don't know that anyone really did that then. Right? Oh, like we, yeah. that we figured timing, out yeah. we figured out the way to streamline it yeah. and kind of but there's no there's no sound editing to like kind of cover over. So it just feels like an insert shot. It's not and quite fast they, enough they go, to work. Yeah, they almost. just go back. Yeah. Um, what about and, his portrayal and everything? Because he's really, I, I got Tim Curry vibes. Oh, like, okay. He's just got like, mm, very, yeah, weird very sensual energy. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. and also, like, he's playing it. I mean, there's a lot of like fantastical stuff in this movie, but he's playing it like almost like a stage part or something. Yes. Yeah. He's larger like, than life. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And even that's his presentation. His makeup is different than any other characters in this movie. Yeah. I think it's 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 like obvious. porcelain doll nutso. Yeah, like, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, um, which works for the character, I think. Yeah, he says, "I represent eternity." Just in case there was any question. It, yeah, I was. I had my doubts. It but. was. Yeah, uh, I do feel like um, I don't know what you thought, but there's a sequence with his first meeting um, with David Niven's character Peter. Is that his first meeting? Yeah, his is the first meeting where they're in the like having in the a, woods. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He goes to pour the drinks. So Twilight Zone, and they disappear. And they disappear yeah. um, in camera, which is really cool. Yeah. It's all editing, and it's it, it works for that because they literally they're there and then they're not. He pops up, and it's also weird because we've seen him in black and white. Yeah. And then he pops up in color, and we see his crazy makeup. We see the flowers around him. Yeah. They're referencing smells. Right. And I immediately thought like. This feels like Alice in Wonderland. You know what yeah, I mean? A little bit. Like yeah. he he pops up in this garden scenario and he's also like kind of cheekily trying to trick him to coming back to the afterlife. And so there's a tone about that character that feels like, I don't know, like Cheshire Cat. Yes. Yeah, good call. Good call. Um, well, and I did think it was really interesting that this character, his, his whole problem is his excuse for not bringing Peter to the afterlife when he was supposed to go is yeah. the English fog. Yeah. The after- I couldn't see you. He's too incom- Apparently, the afterlife doesn't have the powers of meteorologists. <laughs> I, they, they're like, it's foggy. I don't know where you went. I lost him. He's yes. still alive. Yeah, that's a weird choice. They could have thought yeah. of any reason. Like, and that's what they did. We tried to catch him, but we couldn't because he was in love, right? Or something, right? You know? But no, it's the fog. It's- and when that's brought up, I'm, I kind of think it's played as a joke. I mean, because it certainly would yeah. would be more believable yeah. in, in the context of the movie if they'd played it as a straight joke. But I don't really know if it was or not. Yeah. I think it kind of goes along with another theme, uh, which is the neurologist friend. Okay. Uh, what's his character's name? Is it is he Trubshaw? Bob Trubshaw? Robert Coote? No, that, that's the pilot friend. The guy that's bit the dust in the beginning. Frank Reeves. Um, Dr. Frank Reeves. Yes. So he plays a friend of uh, June, Kim Hunter's character. And we we kind of talked off mic for a second before. There's, there's a trope, right? Yeah. My friend's crazy. I think my friend's crazy. Uh, I have a psychiatrist friend. Can you come over and like check? Like cat them? people. Like cat people. Yeah. Like, And this movie has some weird resemblances to cat people. So to- the Twilight Zone feel. Totally. I especially think. the Twilight yeah. Zone feel. The difference is an hour almost. Yeah, literally. And yeah, uh, like 50 minutes to be perfectly, uh, you know, accurate. But anyway, uh, this character, uh, he's a neurologist. Yes. Not a psychiatrist. Right. So we where we typically have like in a Twilight Zone episode or a serial if someone's crazy and they have a psychiatrist friend that comes over to do a little kind of, uh, you know, 
colloquial observation. They're like, like, come check him out just as a friend, you know, do me a favor. In this case, he's a neurologist. And it's interesting to me that they make the plot choice to have just something meteorological, right? Like the fog, the English fog is what caused him not to be able to brought into the afterlife. It's just like happenstance. It's just something physical. It's just something physical in the way, right? And the whole approach of the neurologist in this is like, he's not psychoanalyzing him ever. He's only ever trying to figure out what is wrong with your brain? Like which part, right. which part of your brain, not about in the mind, right? right? And there's a specific line of dialogue that's really key um, in cat people that sort of plays here, uh, which is, what is that line? It's like when, when you talk, we speak of the, the, the oh it's the talking about the division between mind and soul yes that one um they don't even say that in this movie it's just sort of understood it's just all anatomical yeah really so that's an interesting dynamic um because because the opening title card of this movie says something essentially like it's all in the airman's violent imagination or his imagination because he's surrounded by violent surroundings right right like ptsd i I think they've kind of get so it it I, I don't know. That's probably better for wrapping it up. But I think it's not you're kind of left to your own conclusions. I think there is some ambiguity where it's not Oh, there's ambiguity. The, well, there there's like <laughs> Lynchian ambiguity where it's like, I don't know what the number forty seven means. Right. You know? And David's like thirty six and, and you're you know, like I get it now. Got it. Thank right. you. Totally for clearing tra- that up. Totally tracking. Yep. And somehow it's still entertaining. Yes. Um but I, I don't know. Um Ultimately, yeah. If 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 you're supposed to really land on one side or the other, of yeah. like, yep, the afterlife was all that was a real thing, and they allowed him some more years, or if he really was having a weird, it like, almost it almost doesn't matter, right? It, like, it doesn't. It's not a movie that's forcing you to. It's not Inception. Does the top fall over? Or does it not fall over? Right. It's not like the whole movie leads to that. It's like, I think it's like I really think they set up the playground and they just had fun playing in it. And, I agree. You know what I mean? Like there's, I can't, I can't describe it other than, uh, like there's so many things that are nuts that happen in this movie. And my question is, are they all consistently like thematically helping each other or are they, this moment would be crazy if we could do this and then they just do it. I think and it's a both. Yeah. It's both. And some of them hang together and some of them are some of them don't wild. Like, because well how about like when we're in heaven it's not heaven though they're very careful not to call it heaven yes there seems to be a clear intention to make sure that this is a more ecumenical afterlife of yeah. sorts a, a, more, a more physical one it's it's yeah it's it's monochrome yes. i think for a reason yeah. Right, the the prosecutor who is trying to argue that Peter <laughs> needs to come to he- the afterlife. Yeah, that I guy. almost said heaven again. Um, he he's arguing that nothing is greater than law, and so I think you kind of see it in this monochrome, black and white kind of thing because that's how that's how that afterlife works. There's good, and there's there no, there's not even good and evil there. It's just right and wrong, right and wrong, yeah. and that's it. There's no joy in that place. There's no like peace. There's no real perfection. No. So th- it's bizarre too, because when when several pilots or or like airmen, yeah, Americans come to heaven. I said it again. Yeah. Come to the afterlife. Right. Um. 
They, the, well, they get wings, and, so it's and, hard not to. It, it it makes no sense. Yeah. We do see wings like on an assembly line, like plastic wings, right? In, in plastic like, wrap. Sign for these. Yes. Like what? Um, <laughs> then an officer says, uh, "I'll." He's signing in because, right. of course, they make you sign in up here. Yes. And he and they say, uh, "Whoever's asking him to sign in, you know, he says, hey, I want officers' quarters, please.'" Yeah. And they're like, "Oh no, everyone's the same here." Then you see those the that character and two others go through a room into like their new dwelling, right? Right. Um. And and so the first guy walks through the room and says something like, "Wow, home wasn't anything like this." Yeah. And the next guy goes, "It was for me." And then the officer walks through yeah. and just looks so depressed. Yeah. And it's like, what kind of an afterlife? Is this? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> yeah, it's really. <sighs> If it's trying to say anything, it's trying to say that the afterlife is not better than life. No, it's different. It's it's adjacent. And you live forever. And the justice system is worse. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's probably worse. Not any more just yeah. than the one we've got here. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk about the man of the hour before we get too far. Um, Peter? David Niven. Yeah. Can I give you my hot take on David Niven? Oh, hot take. David, are you listening? Yeah, from the afterlife. I don't. I don't know if this is a hot take because I don't think he's Tom Hanks or anything. I don't think everybody's like, don't say a mean thing about David Niven. Right. Um, we've seen three David Niven movies. Pink Panther for this. Uh, yeah, and um, Catherine and Heathcliff, Wuthering Heights. Oh, that's right. Right. Wow. I tried to block that one out. Yep. Yeah, fair enough. So we've seen Wuthering Heights, in which he is pretty good. Mm-hmm. We've seen the Pink Panther, in which he is not. It's not his fault, but yeah, he's given. Oh, but here's where I'm going. Oh, it can't be not his fault every time. And for me, David Niven is not a leading man. I would agree. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's why he's tolerable in the Pink Panther. And that's and that's the thing, though, right? Like the whole thing with the Pink Panther was this is David Niven's movie. No, no, no. We bring in Peter Sellers, and he's hilarious. So he's now taking the marketing right he's taking the funniest parts of the sequences and in this there's no there's no peter sellers but we do have a crazy frenchman we have david niven is serviceable yeah you know what i mean he's he's a kind of like a serviceable plug him in yeah he does good line readings but there's not a single point in this movie where even when he's like on his literal deathbed sweating getting pale dying calling out for people it just like it never it never gets to a really really desperately high stakes place i agree based on his performance yeah he's just like he's He's okay he's fine yeah yeah he's fine i don't know um is he incredibly well revered is he uh i think he's generally looked at as like i mean i don't know about judy dench status but like when it comes to british actors mm -hmm. i think every time someone says david niven he's like very well respected maybe we haven't seen the david niven movies that are good maybe is that possible Maybe. You know, I'm just saying from my experience with him so far, yeah. he plays a supporting character in Weathering Heights. He plays what is kind of supposed to be the lead in the Pink Panther. Mm-hmm. Again, maybe not his fault that it doesn't really end up... It is right. still the lead, though. That's the thing. Is yeah. that it, he has so much more screen time in that movie. And, and when I say it's not his fault, I'm trying to be generous. Yeah. But even in bad movies, if you're a good actor, you still... You can't... 
Yeah. You either do the Samuel L. Jackson thing, yeah. and you just take a paycheck, and you're like, sure, I'll be in your movie. Yeah. I'm not going to bring anything to it, though. Yes. You know? Or you're you're who's a good example of that, Travis? Where where it's not a good movie, they have no right or reason to. They're be good, way better than they should be. But it's yeah, they give a stellar performance anyway. Yeah. Okay. How about this? A- Andy Serkis in Avengers: Age of Ultron. That, oh goodness. He's yeah. in there for five minutes, and it's like, can the whole movie be about you, please? He's amazing. Yeah. And then he's gone. Yeah. And then Black Panther repeats that error and kills him. Yeah. I'm gonna call it murder. He murders him. <laughs> Actual uh, Andy Circus. They kill Andy Circus. Yeah, he's dead now. It's really dramatic. Yeah, it was. It's there was sad. a candlelight vigil. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I think the central character and the performance, um, they're easy to kind of fall into the, the quilt of craziness that this movie really is. Uh, partly because I don't think David Niven like necessarily elevates it. Right. And also partly because he's kind of like he, he's. It's not really his choices that make the difference. Yeah. It's not like yeah, a protagonist agreed. that like pulls other people along. Yeah. He doesn't have a lot of agency, really. And he gets impacted by all the sub yeah. characters more yep. than anything else. Um, so it's kind of a weird movie. You don't really know who to root for. You're just kind of waiting to see. You're what, just kind of going along. Yeah. And to, to be, again, to circle back and just say, I enjoyed this. Yeah. Like it was fun to watch, but it was fun to watch in a way that was like, Almost like watching like a jackass movie. Yeah. What the heck is the next scene going to bring? Right. 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 Not uh, a ringing endorsement of jackass or yeah. anything. Well, and speak just, for yourself. In in the, in the same way that you literally are like clueless. Yeah. When the curtain opens next time, what's going to be behind? Yeah. It? This movie gives you that. Absolutely. Like, in spades. If you, uh, Justin, let me just ask: If you were uh, a third party, no, you didn't watch this movie with me. And uh, we haven't just talked about it for a half hour. What if I asked you, do you think this movie's uh, needs or includes an extended ping pong sequence? I would say probably not. Yeah. Well, guess what? You're in luck. Oh, because it does. Oh, and good. time freezes with right. their ping pong paddles in their hands. Yeah. A la Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there's some nutso stuff here, man. I think, um, again, technically, also the motorcycle chase stuff looks amazing. And his when he crashes, yeah, it's he really crashes good. the motorcycle, and it's like a GoPro shot yeah. where his hand, you're like seen from the helmet, and his hand goes out. I don't even know how they it's, did some of that I stuff. Don't I don't know, because it was 1946. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, AD. Yeah, it makes me want to watch uh, the other stuff that we found of Michael Powell's. Um, yeah. Um, d- um, like a moment of David Niven that is hard to swallow for me is when he like kisses her when she's frozen and he's supposed to have this single tear moment and then they collect her tear as evidence. Yeah, I, that, crocodile tears. I'm just not buying a minute of that from him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I Maybe Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Uh, he can he, make me buy that tear. David is not Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just one of those. I, I, so so I think David's strong suit, yeah. as you kind of see in the Pink Panther and in this movie, I really buy their, their dialogue in the beginning. Yes. Between him, you know, and he's just got that really, that kind of quintessential or, or stereotypical cheeky British optimism. Totally. You know, like. Even at his death. Even yes, yes. dying like, yep, this sucks, but you know what? I'm going to keep my chin up. And, uh, you know, everything's tickety-boo. Tickety-boo. And, uh, and I'm going down in flames, but I'm not going to let them see me, you know, shake. 
yeah. and so he exceeds it. I, I, he excels at, at delivering that. I believe him as yeah. that character in that moment. It's like the fast, like yeah. verbal leaning on his verbal skills yeah. more than any like emotional. Absolutely. Well, the same good. thing when he's when the neurologist is interviewing him the first time they meet, they have a super fast repartee. It's, it's like good. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Everyone's yeah. on their A game. You know. Um, and establishes the point I think the story is trying to about those characters. But I agree with you. I don't I don't buy that that character... I don't know if that's just an acting problem or a character problem or both. They He has to do a lot. I mean, he has to... Like I said, he has to kiss a woman frozen in time that he might see for the last time in eternity. He has to be dying with a brain bleed, brain tumor or something. Like, like all, he has to do all the things... And I just don't think like he's not everybody can do all the things, you know, and like right. play to your strengths, right? Um, I think uh, we should probably talk about the latter 20 minutes of this movie because it just goes every place. Like, I mean, we could talk about set pieces for just a second too, right? Like we have some normal set pieces. They do that frozen in time thing, which looks kind of interesting. Again, if you've seen, uh, what is it? Matter of time or Nick of time that Twilight Zone episode with the right. stopwatch, right. similar stuff there. Um, but we also see freaking this alternate title of this movie, Stairway to Heaven. And there's this massive, like Busby, Busby Berkeley <laughs> yeah. looking crazy yeah. set piece where it's a, it's a marble staircase, but it is also an escalator. Yeah. And it rides that. That's a, that's a lot of set pieces in this movie. It's like, that's what if lot. this was a Busby movie? But it's not a musical. Let's use that set piece. And yes. it's like, what? It's what like, is what if, that? Is it all left over from something? <laughs> like, and then the courtroom scene is crazy looking. Because it's in a galaxy yes. or something when they zoom out. A galaxy coliseum. A galaxium. I, I don't know. Yes. It's uh, bizarre to watch. Okay, so let's talk about the courtroom scene because it's what this is all yeah. hoping to build to. I will say, by the time we get there, it takes too long. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of done. Like, with, yeah. What was it? Maybe like an hour and twenty. We were like, this is starting to feel yeah. a little long in the tooth. Yeah. There's a lot of redundant exposition dialogue in here. Mm-hmm. Like you've made it clear this is like right after that first scene with the Frenchman. He then tells everything that's happening to June. Like in that moment, he's like, well, this man came to visit me, but then, uh, you know, I'm supposed to be taken back, but there's going to be a hearing. I don't know. Like he just says it all again. It's like. Right. Like you don't have, we don't need to see that. Right. Like you could tell it off screen when they get to the courtroom sequence. I have two questions and you can do your, do your darndest, Justin, to answer this. To oh me. boy. Does this se- first of all, we have the prosecutors, uh, Abraham Farlin, who's real biased against Brits. And there's this, uh, I, okay. This is the part that's the most disconnected for me because I get that this was all building to a court, a celestial court hearing, Right. But really what happens in the last 20 minutes in the courtroom and beyond when they leave the courtroom is like, does this become a nature versus nurture movie like story, right? Like he is an American from 1775 and he spends like a long time just saying like, this is why British people are horrible. It's not really what the movie was about. No, but and then it suddenly becomes that. And so in for a while in his defense, um, the neurologist who has died in a motorcycle yes. accident plays the Revolutionary War hero or martyr, a song from 1945 yes. on the radio. That's great. That's one of the best parts in the movie, I think, because it's like a shibbity bam slam bam. You know, it's just it's kind of a ridiculous song, you know. 
I, and, I can't understand a word of it is what the American guy yeah, says. Yeah. Right. And he just has this look of like, <laughs> I'm so disappointed I'm in what yes. my country has become, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I don't know why any of that's in there though. Like as fun as that moment is, it's like this, it, it, it wasn't all, all leading to that. And it all tries to become about, um, like the, the prosecutor has selected all these jurors who have some kind of beef with the British Empire. Yeah. It's like, oh, this guy is the Japanese haven't forgot about that little incident. <laughs> yes. It's like, what in the world? And they world? go through like six of those. Yeah. yeah. And then there a is a Russian guy. I yeah. An come Indian on. guy. Yeah. And when they replace they replace them with Americans. So they get a Japanese American guy. I didn't know if we were going here, but please. It's so bad. Because for everyone else, they just get normal kind it's like, like nah, 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 orchestral music. score stuff. Doesn't matter what country they're from, even yeah. India, it's like fine. Nah, yeah. nah, nah, nah. They get to the guy from Japan and they're like, Okay, he's no longer gonna be a Japanese citizen, he's gonna be a Japanese American guy now. Like almost exactly that. It's horrific, it's right? Heinous. Because it undercuts totally. <laughs> if they had just kept the normal music, and the guy's like, "My name is James Wong. I'm an American citizen," and be like, "Oh wow, okay, Whatever. so yeah, yeah, America has changed, you sure. know, for the better." But it happened, and I think you, I looked at you and literally said, "Okay." <laughs> it's like that's, that's it's not it's not cool. That's it's an, aged poorly. Oof, we'll say. Oof. So, but I guess that's a rare instance, unless director has final cut authority yeah. and approval, which they very well may have. But I who, can't imagine they didn't in this thing. Based on this, yeah. right? But the studio it, looks but at this and they're it, like, "Keep it all." It, <laughs> <laughs> the it, naked goat boy, <laughs> all of it. Imagine that they gave this yeah. as a final cut, yeah. and they were like, "Hey, we just don't have any music." <laughs> uh, Bob, we trust you. Go put a score on this sucker. Little did they know, Bob was a racist. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. I got something for you. Nah, 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 nah. I got you one know. thing in the Asian drawer. Yeah, and this is it, man. And it's it's a bummer. It's a bummer because the movie is kind of it, it. Doesn't it undercut their whole like it's supposed to be a multi-ethnic, you know, yeah. universally racial kind of yeah. So place. all of the spectators of the court are broken up into like different periods of time and different. Uniforms. Na- na- uniforms and nationalities, essentially. But they're all wearing the same thing. Yeah. You have like four rows of men in like John Owen, like theologian Pilgrim. garb. Yeah, like like puritanical and, looking. Yeah. And they all move in unison. That is horrifying. It's scary. Because they do this arm yeah. thing. <laughs> I can't even remember what line that comes after. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make sense. It, that is David Lynchian because yeah. the, the prosecutor says like, and what about this? And then they all just silently put their arms up and then back down. And you're like, we looked at each other in silence like. <gasps> and then they cut away from and it. That's it. There's no, they never speak. They're not, now see, that's the kind of thing though, right? The, the filmmakers have to be like, this means something. It must, you right? Hope so. Like David Lynch or something, right. you know. There's a there's a purpose for everything, even if it's capital B bonkers, yeah. right? Um, so this America versus England thing takes a while, right? Yes. It kind of dominates the last part of the story until the crazy fake ending that is crazy. We both thought, well, by the time you get to this point in the movie, you think it can end at any point, right? At any point, <laughs> they, they could, they could, they could bow out of that bomber. They could yeah. eject themselves with yeah. no parachute yeah. and that could be the end. Yeah. And so the courtroom scene seems like there's like a question where it's like, well, I think we might have to hear from the girl he may have fallen in love with. Right. Cut to the galaxy a la uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And then it's like, it looks like it's going to fade to credits and we're like, 
Okay. I guess, guess it's it. over. But then, but then the stairway to heaven comes out of the sky and all of the principal players in the courtroom sequence, they're descend just into the operation room in where color. It, it's insane. Like it looks crazy. It looks amazing. I, it, it does, but right? Crazy. Because you don't see anything like that in film, uh, except for David Lynch. If you haven't figured it out, we like David Lynch a bit. But it, he it's has just, to love this movie. He has to. We should ask him. We should. Send me a carrier pigeon. <laughs> Not on Pidgey, though. <laughs> He's yeah. also anti-Pidgey. You got to watch yeah. his weatherman stuff, yes. listeners. Yes, yes, He gives a daily weather update. Oh my I hope gosh. he's still doing it. I haven't checked in a couple weeks. Yeah. Yes, he anyway. just tells you the weather and reads a number. It's great. Yep. The number today is... 42 that's all the I, I know some of you were hoping for that <laughs> all all of you uh who have twitter this is all you need on twitter yeah that's it it's all you need so um, uh how does, it, how does it, what's the final note here I, because i compared okay. it to another movie but you tell me how you took the ending um really well okay <laughs> <laughs> Went down uh, nice and smooth. I took the news well, doctor. Yeah. Okay, so the judge comes down and they're like, you know what? Uh, permission granted. You can live now, right? Which I didn't really know. I thought they were maybe just going to take her instead. Well, but that's the question. That's okay. They say, I don't understand this. I don't, I don't understand this. They say, do you really love him? And yeah. she says, yes. Do you love him enough that you would die for him? And she says, of course. And he says, no, no, don't do that, June. And, and then the neurologist says... It's imperative that you sacrifice yourself for him right now. So she gets on the stairs, she starts going up, and then it all just un like it doesn't it because she said she would. They say it's real love, so right. fine. Right. That's 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 it. That's man. it. That's it. I'm not missing anything. Nope. I think that's it, sir. So or we're both missing it. Is it or is it not the ending to Disney's Frozen? Because right, like honest, like. The sacrifice. You sacrificed one. yourself for me. That's it. You're my sister. So then she can unfreeze her. Yeah. And there's no consequences to any character decisions right. because a good thing happened. But okay, tell me the difference. Here's the question. Well, I, there's not. If that's <laughs> if that's the interpretation. Podcast over. If 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 <laughs> this is frozen, we made our if, point. If the uh, if the afterlife yeah is real sure and this is all legitimately happening, then. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Okay, but for the title card in the beginning that says this is all in his imagination, and for the surgeon being the same actor that plays the judge. That's the weird that's the Twilight Zone thing. That right is what makes me think it is all in his head. The surgeon pulls off his mask and it's the same guy who's playing the judge in the celestial. And board. here's the precedent for that. Okay. Because if if it's all legit, yeah. And as in, it, it, that means it's all in our world. Of course, like Travis will be even like even the naked goat boy. I'll be like, I'll be like, is this legit? And you'll be like, yes, it did happen on Earth. Yes, right. That's usually what people. That's mean what I mean in the vernacular. So if this all takes place in our world, and the afterlife is really just in his brain, right? It doesn't totally answer the question. This still leaves the hole of how did he survive if he fell out? Right? Oh sure. Okay, I think there's some precedent for that. I have no idea if this is what the filmmakers have in mind. <laughs> but there is a guy. This is a real story okay. that you can fact check all over. I think there was even an episode of Mythbusters about this because okay. they tried to recreate this. There was an RAF gunner sergeant named Nicholas Alchemade who in World War II 
was flying over Europe somewhere. Sure. And his bomber gets blown to bits. He falls. The 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 documents differ on whether it was eighteen thousand feet or twenty two thousand feet, without a parachute, and survives. Lands in the ocean. I don't know if I think he landed on land. Now the reason they think that happens yeah. is because of some kind of freak thing where one of the bombs, one of the other bombers was dropping, exploded and like propelled him up, and to the, cush- it cushioned his fall and crap. brought him down. So uh, this movie, you're saying the hollow earth is real. I'm saying, King Kong I'm saying I talked to Kong about this and he verified it. <laughs> uh, so, is that how he talks? <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, he is not happy I'm today. Kong. <laughs> I'm Kong. Okay. Being mean. So you're saying that if this was drawn from some sort of reality, then they're just adding this like fantastical stuff as like a delusion. Yes. And it is like a twilight. It's like, uh, What's that? There is a soldier twilight. It's almost like uh, uh, angels uh, in the, the outfield. The thirty fourth is made up of angels or something. You're talking yeah. about where he's a bomber yeah. guy in yep. the desert by himself, and then at the end they pour the sand out of his shoe in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something yeah. like that. Man, we love the Twilight Zone. We do the good Twilight Zone. I kind of even love some of the bad ones the, for a different reason, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I don't know, man, because the neurologist gives every possible out. He's he like, does, yeah. th- this exists because you're smelling this. Yes. You're hallucinating this. It all adds up to this condition and it's yeah. never refuted. It's never like, Oh, that's not possible because of this. No, he even says when they descend in the staircase, he looks inside of the operation. And he goes, see, I was right. Right. You know, it's like, okay, sure. <laughs> I mean, I mean, right. wouldn't you say that even if he was wrong? Though? Right, exactly. See, guys, yeah. yeah. So, so then this movie, then if it's saying anything with consistency, it's saying it's really not the spiritual answer, right? Because the afterlife isn't heaven; it's the afterlife, right? It's grayscale. Yeah. The reason he didn't die is not because of true love, really. It's because it couldn't see him in the fog; just yeah. some physical barrier. Yep. That's a weird thread, man. It's bizarre, but it's in keeping with this movie, which yeah. maybe, hey, if it's trying to make a point, I think it's that um, it, it, if I don't know. OK, I really don't. It probably. But is. if it is, I think it's saying <laughs> that just the, the, the nonsense of of especially human or human race trying to interact and get through something as cataclysmic as a world war. Yeah. Is going to leave uneasy and unclear and vague ambiguities in our lives. It, yeah, it's because it is all couched in, in World War II without yes. any, you can't divorce it from that. Yep. I mean, Agreed. that opening title. Well, here we are. This will be fun, I think. Um, I don't, is it worth your time? How much time do you have? Yeah, It's two hours of a movie that I guarantee you will not guess what's going to happen next. Agreed. Um, I think if we're going to go with our normal key question, this might be one of the hardest movies so far to answer because yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed watching this. Agreed. Especially with someone else. Yeah. You, bud. Um, but I, I really couldn't tell you right now how often I would rewatch this again. I don't know if someone, this is one of those movies where if somebody asked me to, if they brought it up, right. It'd be like, sure. I'm probably not bringing it up. 
unless they are into like yeah. Lynch or something, yeah. you know, if they're like, Hey, is there any really weird movies from yes. the forties? Be like, yes. this goes in the top drawer. And that's when I pull out my key for the memorabilia. Yep. For that's a matter of life and death. You keep it though. And Kong's like, Oh, not again. Yes. Like, you know, and the I goat sh- boy's like, hello there. You can fold the memorabilia. Everybody's back. It's a matter of life and death Full too. Circle. Stairway to heaven. Part. There's two. a lady who's sure. What is that? Did you write that? So how often would you rewatch it? I think I, I could rewatch it again, but I definitely don't. I'm not going to say a year. No, I would, me neither. I think you might go mentally crazy. It's yeah, unless you're. Yeah, I, I could see myself rewatching this, especially if I wanted to maybe kind of that dissect or better try to understand some of the techniques that are employed. Definitely a what effect. film student could watch yeah. this a few times and write a paper on it. Yeah. And if you're like a casual lover of kind of more obscure cinema... Mm-hmm. Or like things that are technically it, nice, but weird. Like you could, because it's it. not totally inaccessible. No, it's, it's weird, especially for 1946. I can't imagine what like normal people <laughs> normal. that are just like, yeah. hey, let's go watch this David Niven movie, and then it's like, why is the shadow turning into uh, an American playing a harmonica? Why are they like, handing out plastic wings? Why is there really scary music in the background? Why like, is there a Frenchman stealing his drinks? R- <laughs> Don't know. You know? Oh, the music. We didn't even talk about the music. All you need to know about the music is it's all the music. All of it is in there. All of it's got like a regular 40s score. It's got Tupac. It's got Tupac, Shakira. Yeah. Lady yep. Gogs. Yep. Lady Gogs. Okay. Not Lady Gaga. Yeah, it's that, got that'd be uh, an anachronism. Toots Thielman. Toots Thielman. Yep. Yeah. All the guys you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I don't know. This movie was so much. Uh, if you want to talk about a movie like we talk about movies on this show, watch the heck out of this. Yeah, thing. you got to put it's it on your list. It's a wild ride. Yes. I think it might be worth watching again. I just yeah. I couldn't possibly give you a frequency. I, I don't know. Yeah. That I, is what David Lynch's numbers are for. That's how often we're supposed to rewatch yes. this. Yes. That'll tell us when we're supposed to watch it so again. Bring us home, David. How often should we rewatch this? 73. Well, we made it, and... We survived I, it. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to the afterlife yet. I don't want to go to that afterlife. Uh, ever. <laughs> I want to stay far away. Yes, uh, in the color world. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to this, um, and, and hopefully it gave you an indicator of whether or not you'd ever want to watch this. Next week, we're going to be talking about Bicycle Thieves. Yes. How it. do you feel about that? It's a movie I've always wanted to see, only yeah. ever heard good things. I think it's going to be a bummer in a good way. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Same here. So uh, we hope you'll join us next time. See ya. Bye. Let the movie speak. speak. How do you know? But it is I who am telling you, my friend. It is I. Your time was up. But they missed you because of your ridiculous English climate. I am French. But what do you want now? You, my friend. What for? To conduct you. Where to? To the training center. Training for what? For another world. You don't mean... But my dear friend, that is just what I do mean. Hey, since you're still here and still listening, thank you by the way, we'd like to ask an additional favor of you. We have social media. It's a thing on the internet. And all you need to do is find us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook and like and subscribe 
I know this is annoying, but we have to ask you because we want more people to hear the show. In addition to that, if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen, we would greatly appreciate it. See you next week. Bye.